things arise from self, other, a combination of both, or causelessly, or another way. That is dependent origination. I don't know if you've ever been here, but if not, welcome Chen Rezig, Tibetan Buddhist Center. This is Ken Sergeshe Wandak. He's a retired abbot of His Holiness the Dalai Lama's monastery. And today, Rinpoche is teaching Lama Tsongkhapa's great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment, specifically the third volume. So I just wanted to say welcome and uh, thank you for coming. ロパ。ロパソン。いや。ロパソン。いや。たがとられわてちぶちゅんぐらんちぶんじんちぶちぶちんびらんそんろ。レッサ。ちぶちゅんぐらんちゃうとたん。ね、もいちゅんちゅ
Moreover, uh, we're going to begin on page 145 in about the middle. Uh, moreover, Chandrakirti's commentary on the 400 stanzas says, Arya Deva's 400 stanzas, uh, question, do you Madhyamikas, Madhyamikas claim there are no memory consciousnesses that have as their objects the things of the past? Reply, who would claim that such do not exist? We do not eliminate dependent arising. The Master Arya Deva himself gives a precise statement of how memory exists. Therefore, the arising of what we call memory is only an unreal subject with an unreal object. Therefore, what memory observes is something in the past. If the past thing essentially exists, then the memory of it would be observing an object that essentially exists. Therefore, that memory would be essentially existent. But insofar as that past thing lacks intrinsic existence, the memory observing it also lacks intrinsic existence. Therefore, Arya Devas established that the past object and memory of it are unreal. Unreal means only lacking intrinsic existence and dependent arising, and it does not mean the non-existence of things that can perform functions. A past thing is not entirely non-existent because it is an object of memory and its effects can be seen. It also does not essentially exist, for if it did, it would have to be permanent. It would have to be directly apprehensible. Uh, Chandrakirti says that these past objects and such are not utterly non-existent and are also not essentially existent. He explained that uh, unreal or false means being a dependent arising and does not mean that things do not exist. Therefore, if you claim that these phenomena are essentially existent, then you are a proponent of real things. You have fallen to the extreme of intrinsic existence. However, to hold that these phenomena are simply existent does not make you a proponent of real things or a proponent of real existence. Similarly, if you hold that internal and external things are non-things devoid of the capacity to perform functions, then you are propounding the non-existence of things and you have fallen to the extreme of non-existence. However, you do not fall to an extreme of non-existence by saying that things lack intrinsic existence. Some Tibetans who claim to be Madhyamakas do not distinguish utter non-existence from the absence of intrinsic existence and do not distinguish essential existence from mere existence. They hope to avoid falling to the extremes of existence and non-existence simply by saying, we do not claim that things are non-existent, Mepa. We say that they are not existent. We do not say that things are non-existent, Mepa. We say that they are not existent, Yoba, uh, yoba Mayimba. We do not claim that things exist, Yoba. We say that they are not non-existent, uh, Meba Mayimba. Uh, this is nothing but a mess of contradictions. It does not in the least explain the meaning of the middle way. For when you, they refute others, they perform the refutation via an investigation of whether or not something intrinsically exists. Therefore, they have to limit the possibilities to two. It intrinsically exists or it does not. Yet... In making their own assertions, they claim there is something that is neither of these two. They claim that they have to limit, they, uh, they claim that there is something that is neither of these two. Why should they have to limit the possibilities to two when they investigate something to see whether or not it intrinsically exists? Because if there were a third possibility beyond those two, it would not be reasonable to investigate the question, which is in, which is it, intrinsically existent or not intrinsically existent? It would be as though there were a color and someone asked, 
Is it blue or is it yellow? Limiting things to two possibilities, either they intrinsically exist or they do not, derives from the universal limitation that anything imaginable either exists or does not exist. Similarly, the limitation uh, that what truly exists must either truly exist as single or truly exist as plural is based on the universal limitation that anything must be either single or plural. When there is such a limitation, any further alternative is necessarily preceded. Hence, it is another nonsense to assert a phenomena that is neither of those two. As Nagarjuna's refutation of objection says. Ditar Ranjin Yoba. Sevasunde, Cesele, Jungami, 
Mabinai, So Rimache pointed out that um, here there's a distinction that's being made between existent and intrinsically existent. So what is being stated is non-existent is the intrinsic existence of something. So that's what, when it, when it says there's um, um, existence doesn't exist, or, and when things like this are stated, it means that um, intrinsic existence does not exist. Um, in, um, existence is defined as 
Samidrupa, established by valid cognition. Um, so, um, non-existent is something which is not established by valid cognition. Um, so, we know that if it's established by valid cognition, that it's it exists, because that's the definition of it. Um, and as a translator's note, the Buddhas have only valid cognition. So, if it's then, then that means that it is there is the presence of that if the the Buddhas apprehend it. Um, so, so there's a difference. So we do state there is not intrinsic existence, but the statement that things exist uh, according to Majamaka is correct. Um, so I'm just gonna. I think we. I read limiting things to two possibilities already, but I think um, just gonna reread that. Um, limiting things to two possibilities, either they intrinsically exist or they do not, derives from the universal limitation that anything imaginable either exists or it does not exist. Similarly, the limitation that what truly exists must either truly exist as single or truly exist as plurals, based on the universal limitation that anything must be either single or plural. Um, and here, this uh, single and plural, uh, the word is cheek and tade. Um, sometimes it's translated as one um, and other. Um, so, um, you s when you see things have to exist as one or other, that is what the same Tibetan word as being used here, just as a translator's note. Um, when they say singular or plural, um, it's the same Tibetan word for one or other, chiktade. Um, when there is such a limitation, any further alternative is necessarily precluded. Hence, it is utter nonsense to assert a phenomenon that is neither of these two. Um, as Nagarjuna's refutation of objection says, if the absence of intrinsic nature were refuted, then the presence of intrinsic nature would be proven. Uh, so there's one or the other. There isn't a third possibility. Moreover, there will always be some doubt in the minds of those who make these claims because they have no way of making a definitive list that excludes any further alternative. This is because as they see... It, the exclusion of one possibility, such as exists or does not exist, does not entail the other possibility. If they accept that there are some cases, such as is, um, so this is just, they're, they're trying to, it, it's kind of debate language. Um, yin, yimba, mimba, meba, yoba. So the, those, this is debate language that they're using in here. If you accept that there are some cases, such as is, yin, and is not, min, which exclude any alternatives, then they should know that it is exactly the same in the case of exists, yoba, and does not exist, mepa. Evidently, their position is an overly literal misunderstanding of the Madhyamaka texts that say is not existent and is not non-existent. Therefore, if, as they claim, it is inappropriate to say exists or does not exist, then it would also be wrong to say is not existent and is not non-existent, because those Madhyamaka texts say that you should reject all four possibilities. Therefore, Nagarjuna's fundamental treatise does not refer to simple existence and non-existence when it states, to say it exists is a conception of permanence. To say it does not exist is a view of annihilation. 
Hence, the learned should dwell in either existence or in either existence or non-existence. This clearly means that the person who claims that things intrinsically exist will have views of permanence and annihilation. Chandrakirti's clear words explains that in this passage, the conception of existence and non-existence refers to the view that things exist and the view that things do not exist. It then says. Why is it that when you have the view that things exist and the view that things do not exist, it follows that you have views of permanence and annihilation? As Nagarjuna's fundamental treatise says, whatever exists intrinsically is permanent since it does not become non-existent if you say that an intrinsically existent thing that arose before is now non-existent. That entails an extreme of annihilation. Since intrinsic existence is not overcome, something that is said to be intrinsically existent would never become non-existent. Thus, the assertion, the assertion that something is intrinsically existent entails a view of permanence. Also, a view of annihilation is entailed by the assertion that there was intrinsic nature in things at an earlier time, but has now been destroyed and no longer exists. Uh, Chandrakirti calls the assertion of intrinsic existence a view of permanence and says that if you assert the later destruction of what was formerly intrinsically existent, such as a view, such as a view of, nihil of nihilism, he does not say this of mere existence and mere disintegration. Also, Buddhapalita's commentary on the fundamental treatise clearly explains that when Nagarjuna says whatever exists intrinsically is permanent and so forth, he is indicating the type of permanence and the type of annihilation he meant when he explained that to say exists or to say does not exist is to have views of permanence or annihilation. In brief, if you claim that the emptiness which is the absence of intrinsic existence is not the sublime emptiness taught by the Buddha and you refute it, then you will be born in the miserable realms due to having abandoned the true teaching, the perfection of wisdom. If you take an interest in the absence of intrinsic existence but think if there is no tr intrinsic existence, what is there? And then claim that all phenomena does not exist, you will still fall into the, cl the chasm of a view of annihilation. Let me see. Dixon. <coughs> Um, so when we look at the what emptiness is, emptiness merely when we look at the emptiness of an eye, for instance, um, the eye what does not exist is an eye that can somehow be found without its collection or separate from its collection. The eye, in dependence upon a collection coming together that serves as a basis of designation, is then de designated as I. But there's no I that's separate from that from that collection coming together. Um, so therefore, what is non-existent is a truly intrinsically existent I, because it's merely, it doesn't, because it doesn't exist without the collection. 
The I doesn't exist without the collection. And what is non-existent is an intrinsically existent I. Okay. Um, it's of the greatest importance to understand emptiness, to understand the lack of true establishment of phenomena, because it is a grasping at a phenomena as being truly established, uh, which uh, creates the afflictions, which creates the actions, which creates the suffering. Um, so, uh, it, in order to negate those consequences or get rid of those consequences, one has to get rid of the grasping um, and, and arrive at the understanding of dependent origination, that things are not truly established because of dependent origination. Uh, so this is what emptiness is. Emptiness, things are empty of intrinsic existence because of dependent origination, empty of true establishment. They exist, but not intrinsically, separate from this coming together. Okay. So if you have wisdom and you can think about emptiness, it's of great benefit. But if you don't have wisdom and you try to think about uh, and if you try to think about emptiness, it can be of great trouble for you because it's easy to arrive at a nihilistic view. Um, and this is dangerous. Tanjila Tawajudeh 
Okay, so as Rimache, just to reiterate, um, for those of intelligence, um, of, who have good mind and intelligence, emptiness can be of great benefit. 
but it can be harmful for those who misunderstand it, who don't have uh, great intelligence. Uh, so here it says, similarly, Nagarjuna's fundamental treatise says, if they view emptiness in the wrong way, those of limited intelligence will be ruined. Commenting on Chandrakirti's clear words says, if on the, ha- on the one hand you were to think, all is empty, that is, does not exist, then you would be viewing emptiness in the wrong way. In this vein, Nagarjuna's precious garland says, if this teaching is misunderstood, it ruins the unwise, for they sink into the, fu- into the filth of nihilistic views. On the other hand, suppose that they do not deny all phenomena, but they say, we have seen these things, how could they be empty? Therefore, an absence of intrinsic existence is not what emptiness means. In that case, you have definitely abandoned emptiness. After you have abandoned emptiness in this way, you will definitely be reborn in a miserable realm due to the action of depriving yourself of the true teaching. As Nagarjuna's precious garland says, further, if they misunderstand this, fools who take pride in their supposed wisdom will destroy themselves by abandoning it and fall headfirst into the unrelenting hell. Qualm, if we had claimed that there were that there were real things and then later viewed them as non-existent, then we would have a view of annihilation. However, we do not accept their existence from the outset. What is annihilated so as to make this a view of annihilation? Um, for Nagarjuna's fundamental treatise says, if you say that what arose before is now non-existent, that entails annihilation. Thus Nagarjuna says that such is a view of annihilation. Also, Chandrakirti's clear word says, yogis do not fall uh, to the two extremes if they, f- they know that conventional truths which are produced only by ignorance lack intrinsic existence and then know that the emptiness of those has the character of the ultimate. They think, how could something which has now become non-existent have existed before? have existed then. Since they do not regard earlier things as having had intrinsic nature, they do not think think that such later become non-existent. Reply, this is not reasonable. Your supposition is that in order to have a view of annihilation, one must assert the earlier existence of whatever thing is annihilated later. In that case, it would absurdly follow that even the, the Lokayata proponents of materialism, which is uh, um, the longer way of saying the nihilists, uh, would not have a view of annihilation. For it is not their claim that past and future lives, karma and its effects, etc., once existed and later became non-existent. They do not exist except such as having existed in the first place. Um, therefore, uh, when Nagarjuna said, uh, if you say that what arose before is now non-existent, that entails annihilation. He meant that proponents of existence who assert that things have an essential or intrinsic nature will unquestionably have views of permanence or annihilation. For if they claim that this intrinsic nature never changes, then they will have a view of permanence. If they claim that it once existed and was later destroyed, then they will have a view of annihilation. Manamakas do not accept the existence of even a particle of essential or intrinsic nature. This fact proves that they lack one type of a view of annihilation, the type in which it is held that an intrinsic nature that once existed is later destroyed, does not prove that they have eliminated all views of annihilation. It is different w- in a different way. Madhyamakas are also unlike those who have the other type of view of annihilation, a view in which it, in which it is held that karma and its effects do not exist. This is set forth at length in Chandrakirti's clear words as follows. Madhyamikas, 
Madhyamakas and nihilists have different um, different theses. Theses? Is that what it says? Theses? Really? Without the I? That's how you plural. Thank you. I learned something today. More about English. Theses. Since those who have a view of annihilation hold that karma and its effects, as well as other worlds beyond this lifetime, do not exist, whereas Madhyamakas hold that such things lack intrinsic existence. Madhyamakas propound that things such as karma and its effects lack intrinsic existence by reason of their being dependent arising. Nihilists do not assert that karma and its effects are dependent arising, uh, so they do not use dependent arising as a reason to support, uh, in support of their thesis. Diksung Rinpoche. Da uma ba uma bichini shoshana chota maajibu kano kanaashi. Rangi tayu chota la yudo na demen chwa shiji shiba to uma bichini. Uma ba le na ni yores uma raju ba na tanju ni. Omar here we're speaking of the um, the view of emptiness according to the uh, Madhyamika Prasangika. Um, so the Prasangika is the, uh, in translation into English, is the uh, middle way consequence school. But if um, we look at how we divide up um, middle way, uh, middle way is... Um, the highest among the four schools of Tibetan Buddhism. The, we have the Great Exposition School, the Sutra School, the Mind Only School, and then the Middle Way School. The Middle Way School is divided into two categories. Um, the Madhyamika Prasangika and the Madhyamika Svatantrika. Um, so uh, Rinpoche gave the definition very quickly of the um, Madhyamika I just want to um, see if I can find um, find that just real quickly. Chittamatra. Ditsuko. Okay, so... So middle. So when we look at the word uh, madhyamaka, um, the ma, um, it's formed from the stem madhya meaning middle, and ma yielding a derivative noun uh, that has the same meaning as the base. So um, when we look at the meaning, it is we can just it's called the very middle or the middle most, uh, and then. So that's the etymology, and it's a knee. Rimache, the umat seni, yanjo surunang. Okay, so this definite, the so. 
Tetsuko. So when we look at what is po- positive, if we one were to say posit the definition of um, umapa, which is middle way, madhyamaka, um, it would be a tenant among the four, dene? Jidruna, demen shaba shijijiba. Jidruna. Demen shaba. That asserts that all established bases they got the are selfless. They assert that all uh, it is a tenant among the four that asserts that all established bases are selfless. And among the four is referring to the four, the tenets, the four divisions, the great exposition, the sutra school, the mind-only school, and then the middle way school. Um, that's the nay the umi tenjorgitseni. They got chuchirangari sumpere. So, and the middle way consequence definition is. Umapa Kanch. Umapa Yimbala. Ramon Madru Kilanedla. Tanjo. Tuba incident Ranjuba. So, um, which, so the middle way consequence school um, states that um, all things are not, are necessarily not intrinsically existent. Um, or are not established, whereas the autonomy school presents some form of establishment. That's it. So when we look at um, here points out uh, karma and its results. Um, um, karma and its results are dependent arising. Uh, in dependence upon um, karma, the yandra surunang, the ledre, the yandra surunang. That ledre, what the, and the kajigit, and then I said, kangalo, lai zuba suga, maribang. Less of. Lai zuba suga, and then what the chulu, moshu, what the lagu zuba suga. Less of. And the number go the Lagosuba Mara Legend Devores, Lasso, Legend Devores, Lende, Lasso, Legend Devores, Lasso. What does one the matter? So, in many different religious traditions, there is an assertion that God uh, created everything. But in our Buddhist tradition, we, we assert uh, that it's all a result of karma. Um, it's all a result of karma and its results. Suffering and happiness are all results of action. Um, so this is how we present experience um, according to the Buddhist tradition. We don't assert a creator God. We assert uh, cause and effect. So, so there are some that would say a God created um, everything. Some say that something other created everything. 
Um, or some would say that a combination of something other than and God created. Um, and then there were those that would state that there is nothing. And the nihilists, for instance, believe that um, there is no karma, there is no God, there is no um, anything. Um, so there is no consequence to action because there, none of these things are true. There is no cause and effect. Um, so you have many different views out there that are asserted as true and believed to be true. Um, we believe it's all cause and effect dependent arisings. Omaba So we arrive at a place in the text that explains where did we come from? What did it, with, when some will say uh, God created? We don't state that. We state that we come from a previous moment, and we would find a beginningless. Um, uh, the Yanja Surinam means self Does anyone have a pen? Yes. Th that would really help. I'm used to having it and I'm just don't. So I'm, I don't want to miss it. The Yanja Surinam, a pudding yo mari, ding sun song, a kanga la masu. Sijas against the Kanayan, what is it? Tobayo Rota. Less so. Kanayan, what is in the Kaji lies over this? Kaji Dali, Jiba, Jelly, Jiba, Niga, Jimmy, Jiba, Draman, Mabusonga, Yodrova. And 
So, where did all sentient beings come from? Some would state that they came from God. Uh, we have other possibilities. Did um, all sentient beings arise from self, from other, from a combination of both, or causeless? Uh, so these are the four possibilities that are set forth in the treatises. Um, and we would state that there is no beginning. All sentient beings come from a previous moment of of sentient being, which comes from a previous moment. And we would say that there is no beginning to that, and the future moments will be created by the previous moments. So we're now creating future moments, um, and um, previous moments created our current moment, etc. So when we find... Uh, um, when we look and investigate where all sentient beings are from, we, find, we look at a sentient being and see that that sentient being came from a previous moment of that sentient being, um, um, from a previous moment, from a previous moment. Um, consciousness, rather. A sentient being's consciousness, to be very, to be more specific. Um, so that from a previous moment's consciousness, from a previous uh, moment's consciousness. This Sam Chen, this Sheba, Ngama 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 Ngama. That Chiron Kane Uresana, and the Gatoma Mepa Ures, what they Gatoma Mepa. So we would state, though, that the I is beginningless. So um, we would say that I, so I just said, or do we state that um, previous moments consciousness, is this the best way to state it? That's what I just asked. And he said, uh, you can even just say the I is beginningless. Then I, the, the, I, show, na, show, na, show, na, kansak. Okay, so um, I was I asked then if you were to say, then what is I? If someone were to say, posit I, Rimache said the person talking, the person going and doing this and that. So, um, it, it requires investigation um, and requires um, careful investigation. So, you would begin to um, investigate, is the eye my hand, is the eye my leg? And, and you say, the eye is not my hand, the eye is not my leg, is the eye my head, is the eye my hair, is the eye my ears. Um, and then it's very easy to end up at a place where you would say, well, there is not an eye, there is not an existent eye, if you don't go further. But when you get to this place where you can't establish it, then you recognize that there is a functioning thing happening that does exist. So how then? And then you find through investigation that it exists because of a collection, a comings together of parts that then are nominally designated as that I. Nothing separate from that, merely a collection um, of interdependence. Decent. Is 
Chap, 
Okay, so Rimache at the right now is um showing the difference between I I don't want to lose my place. This is really hard to do the way we're doing such a long thing and I have to read as I'm and it's really hard. Um so I might have to ask where we are. But Rimache is establishing the difference between conventional truth and conventionally existent. Um uh, so um or conventional I don't know if it's con- with the Lee. It's uh, conventional do yoba. Um, I don't know what the do in there is. Maybe could we come to it? I was trying to quickly find it in here. but um, So uh, basically all things are have this conventional, um, this existence, but conventional truth. Then the... the Gunzu Demba Dan Gunzu Dioba Kalakangi Kya Gunzu Demba Yina Gunzu Dibichao. Okay, Gunzu Demba Yina Gunzu Dibichao. Okay, so if it is uh, conventional truth, then it is necessarily conventionally existent. Uh, it is a convent a conventional existent. I think that's what it is, a conventional existent. Then eh, the um uh okay so that which is i get it so it show that which is conventionally existent but not um conventional truth you could say ultimate truth ultimate truth is a conventional existent but not um, conventional truth because it's ultimate truth. Then Nika Yimba? You got Yimba Karajan Dugur. Lay Laudu. The Mota Chuchen. Okay. Mota Chuchen? Yeah. So a car, for instance, would be something which is both. 
Um, so Who we're, we're establishing that there are three permutations. So a car is a conventional existent, and a car is conventional truth. The mota gunzu demba yin? Okay, is conventional truth. And then something which is neither, you could just use a rabbit with horns, something which is a non-existent, um, because it doesn't exist. Uh, so then, dundan demba dan gunzu yoba musum. So then we would also say that ultimate truth and conventional existence has three permutations. We would say that if it is ultimate truth, it is conventional existence. Okay, I'm just... Um, so we would say that if it is um, true, um, ultimate truth, it is necessarily conventional existence. But if it is conventional existence, it's not necessarily ultimate truth. Posit a car. A car is conventional existence, but is not ultimate truth. Something which is both, you would say, emptiness. The nika yimba tomba ni? So something which is both emptiness. Emptiness is both a conventional existence and uh, ultimate truth. And something which is neither, you can do a rabbit with horns. Uh, A car is empty, but a car, yes. A, but, a, but the emptiness of a car is its ultimate truth, but car is conventional truth. But a car's emptiness is ultimate truth. The, 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 mota tomba ni, the, dundan damba, the, the, motai tomba ni, dundan damba. So the emptiness of car is ultimate truth. So he agreed. I just wanted to check. Okay, the moal chia lenja, guys. Maybe we'll do question and answer, Rimache said now. Um, and let me just, I want to mark off where are we. Rimache, chu kabeles on itata. I know I. Yeah. Yeah. The lesson. The Umapa Dagi. Okay, so 604. Okay, that's easy. We start right at Chandrakirti's. You know what, though? Did I not read? I don't know if I read. I did? I didn't. 151, where did I stop? That's right. We're fine. Hold on one second here.
603. Yeah, I think I read everything. Where Rinpoche is saying he stopped, I read too. So I don't, I'd have to see the videotape because we did a question and then. Okay. Let's just, let's just go. Let's just move forward. I know where we have to start next time. clarify a few things. Um, one, when you talk about the continuum, I'm sure the plural is continuums, continui, but mm -hmm. are they then fixed in number? What do you mean? That no new, no new continuums would come into existence? Right. So they're fixed. Yeah, they're There's beginningless. Fixed, Everything's here. So it's a fixed number of sentient beings, their continuum Continuai are a fixed number in the universe. Rinpoche, uh, he always gets asked this. Um, Rinpoche, Tanda, Dang Shema. Kansak Sarpa Zugumare. Zugumare Ben. Okay, Kansak Sarpa Yomare. So there are no new. Dan Sunsan, Tanda, Sanjay. This Kansa Gatsi Lenja Tudue Sanji Namchen Sanji Tanka Mepa Changes Tanka Mepa Kansa Takazu is Tanka Yomades Ine Sanji Hakodu Kodoku Yes, so the Buddha Tanka Mepa Ine Sanji Trunk Then it Tranka Yoba Gang is in a Sanji Tranka job so he's saying uh, they're countless sentient beings, but Buddha can count them. I said, then they're not countless. <laughs> anyway, that's what we're talking about right now. <laughs> so the Buddha knows... That's weak. The Buddha knows the the countless, but then there's a count. Mm -hmm. So it's fixed. Buddha, You're saying it's, it's fixed. That's the word I was looking for. It's he said it must be. He's saying there are no new sentient beings. He's saying that the Buddha apprehends this countless sentient beings. When you ask how many sentient beings are there, he says countless. Okay. But the Buddha is omniscient and understands that that okay. countless. Okay. で、サンジェイチョンカジャトゥドゥ。サンジェイシナムチェン。シンダガヨバ。サンジェイで、サンジェイシンカンガドゥトゥドゥ。で、ケジチ。ケジチ。サンジェイチ。シンカンガグツォ
from his one body to every tree in the universe in one moment and know it all simultaneously. And he said, I don't know, that's what we're doing right now. So he's saying like there's countless trees. He's saying there's a lot of countless trees in the world. Like, but they could be counted. So yes. I think the way that countless isn't a literal, I think it means like a lot. I think we went over this before, and didn't we come to the conclusion that when Well, the word was countless. countless. I just want to make sure we were fixed. Yeah. So it's fixed. There's no new, so it has to be. be fixed. If okay. there's no new... It's fixed. Yeah. Inherently. But there will be... Now, but the yes. number of sentient beings is not always the same. Let me make this clear, though. The number of sentient beings does not remain the same, because when one becomes a Buddha... You're no longer a sentient being. So that's why I was saying beings instead of sentient beings, but then we went to sentient being. But okay. if you look at it literally, a, the line of demarcation between sentient being and not sentient being is the 10th Bodhisattva ground. Okay. Can you just provide one other definition? They're tearing the Semchen Gatsiyure. The Lochi Gemma Semchen Gatsiyure Chanka Chikshena Chipa Yomare Gangyan Sena the Sanje Konsu the Sanje Jena Sajupa Tsar Shanchi Sembe Sajupa Tsar Kon Semchen Yomare Then the Semchen Chanka Dakpar Chipa Yomare Gangyan Sena the Sanje Shanchu the Rebe Then the Sanjay Yonjoguruta Yene the Shanchu Semba sa Juba Sar Konsu Semchen, that Satsa Senchen Yomare. Ribe. Yeah, the the line of demarcation. Then the the Rimache, the Teme da Jumba Semchen Yin? Senchen Yin. Teme da Jumba. Gangi Senna the Sa Juba Lam Chima. Okay. Okay, so all beings that are not Buddhas are sentient beings. So even Hinayana Arhats, foe destroyers, are sentient beings. The line of demarcation between sentient being and not sentient being is the tenth Bodhisattva ground. So the, the reason to point to this is that the number of sentient beings will decrease, but it will never increase. You know what I mean? Yep. Because the Buddha can't fall from grace. That would be the only way it could increase is if a Buddha could become a sentient being again, and it's not possible. Can, can you just clarify one other thing? When you talk about the beings of three capacities, sure. is that based on what they have achieved or what they are aspiring to? Because Scope. what they want, they want to what they want to they want a higher rebirth. It's so if really I want to become, if I'm aspiring to Buddhahood, I'm a being of great capacity. Um, the Rinpoche, the Jipo Jipo Son, Jipo Chungo, the Jipo Din, Jipo Chembo. Then the Nga Sanje Gu, Nga Jipo Chembo, Semche Gu, Jipo Chembo, the Semche, the Jipo Chembo Go, Semche Yin. Jogo Sanje, Sanje, the Jipo Chembo Jogo is. Then a Jipo Chembo. Jugo yin? Chibu chibu jugo se lo jomare. Then a... Chibu chibu jugo yin is... 
So you are a practitioner. We are practitioners of the great capacity. But to be a being of great capacity, you have to have bodhicitta. So you have to have achieved individual enlightenment? No, you just have to have that bodhicitta, and then you become a being of great capacity. Then a Rinpoche, Jipu Jin, Nepar So in order to be a being of medium capacity, you have to have renunciation. Okay. In order to be a being of small capacity, you have to have like fake renunciation that just doesn't want to go lower. Practicing renunciation or achieving full renunciation? Fully achieved renunciation. Achieved renunciation. The realization of renunciation <coughs> makes you a being Be of medium, medium capacity. capacity. Okay. If you're studying it to get it, then you're studying, you're practicing to become a being of great capacity. Okay, or so it's that word aspire, it kind of gets us. So when bit. I've said a million times in class, I'm not even a being of small capacity. Yeah. It means that I don't day and night think about getting out of the lower realms and go yeah. for refuge and, and, and make sure that I watch every single behavior I do so I don't practice any of the ton, 10 non-virtues inadvertently. Right. Right. So that's why I'm not a being of small capacity because I don't have that. I'm aspiring to the, all of these things. I'm aspiring to be small, medium, and great because I, I need the, all of those realizations. So it is based on the accomplishment, not the aspiration. Correct. Okay. But there are stages of that accomplishment because you get renunciation, you're not liberated. So you're, st you're a being of great capacity, but that doesn't mean that you have completed all of the teachings for a being of great capacity. It just means that you are a being of great capacity because you have generated bodhicitta, but you're not a Buddha yet. Right. Not any, really anywhere near it. <laughs> yes? First, thank you for coming in, because I know the weather is bad, so thank mm -hmm. you. Um, and I've, I, you may have answered some of these, but once I get stuck, the language, like uh, the renunciation, I would have to look that up, so I, I'm a little lost in some of the things. Mm. Can you tell me what exactly does conventional means when you start talking about conventional, because that loses me? And then I go into this spiral, and then, then I have you other have questions. You have to know what it means, really, by definition, according to this context. Okay. Conven okay. It's, a, it's, a, it's a term. Conventional truth, ultimate truth. Conventional truth refers to a car, this house, the table. The okay. emptiness of those things mm -hmm. are ultimate truth. Okay. 
So okay. conventional, it's just a word that they use to mean what I just said. Okay. So you really, Perfect. most of the time you need to define all of the words and then go from there as okay. opposed to assert, like applying a definition to the term. Mm -hmm. and, you know what I mean? Yes. You have yes. to really find, because there's so our words are so loaded, mm -hmm. you really need to know what what it, it means in that context. Okay. That, it, it yeah, that, that explains. And then I want to go back, and you may have answered this um, throughout, but once I get kind of lost, like with a word like conventional, then I go into this kind of black hole. So I apologize if you've already answered this, but I'm going to ask it. Um, on page 146, 147, um, we were talking about things existent but do not have intrinsic existence. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering for me to be able to relate to it, is that similar to stating something like that which exists only because um, those whom allow it to or desire it to? No. No. Two. All it is is things, there are two possibilities. They mm -hmm. either intrinsically exist or they don't. Okay. Intrinsically existence means that they don't have to dependently originate. So okay. they do. Mm -hmm. So that's what negates their intrinsic existence. Existence okay. means that it exists. It's it's mm -hmm. here. This table mm -hmm. is here. Okay. Intrinsic existence means that this table's here singularly, that it, it doesn't depend upon a collection. Such as the wood or whatever so it it's made of or intrinsic okay. existence because okay. of the wood and the nails and the screws and okay. the person who made it and the mm -hmm. worker that all okay. came together mm -hmm. to produce this. Beautiful. This doesn't exist separately or intrinsically. Okay. So that's what's negated. But it is here, mm -hmm. so that's not negated. Okay. Thank you. The Rangshingi Drupa Dang Yoba Chapagare Sopachasan. The Chutse Yure. Yine chotse ranshin drupa mepa gangin sena the chotse zukengu shingu jaku the mambo tsubala dene then a chotse yure yine the chotse chipo me the last one so the the convent when we look at conventional truth um the table it conventionally it is is conventional truth but its emptiness is its ultimate truth anyone else couple in the back get on the mic get on the mic hi uh first of all i apologize for any uh, misinterpretation of the teachings that have arisen in my own mind, but I come from a, a little bit, I know a little bit more about uh, Zen than I do about the Tibetan traditions. Sure. And listening to what you said just there, you know, one thing that strikes me about Zen is that, you know, they often draw the attention to these very conventional true things as a means of leading the mind to ultimate truth. You know, mm -hmm. you were bringing up a car earlier. A Zen master might, you know, direct the spiritual person's attention to the car to understanding and using you know just or any other everyday object like a cookie or anything like that as mm -hmm. a means towards the ultimate mm -hmm. but you uh, you know listening to this it seems like there's a greater separation between the conventional truth and the ultimate truth am i understanding things correct it's actually two sides to one coin uh, you can't understand the an ultimate without the conventional and you can't understand the uh, conventional with the ultimate um, they, they kind of are interdependent and work together. So you have to, as 
you have to it's we would do the same thing we would say okay we would establish car and then what about car needs to be negated what is wrong with our perception of car so the car's inherent existence is what we negate so then we're we then what is the car's lack of inherent existence it's the car's emptiness so we do the same thing we use normal objects and then dissect them um, but uh, one object has both conventional and ultimate. The con the Zen, Zen lob jung shegadu, then Zen the Zen chu the konso the mikpa mambo the dagadu the mikpa the becha the becha gare kabane the mambo tsanlo dangadu the dan ganzu dan drag. Uh, so very similar if you're investigating an, an uh, object of observation um, and, uh, and investigating as to how it abides, then it's so similar to our middle way view. You're, the Zen school is similar to the middle way view. Thank you very much. Um, well, one question, maybe two questions. Sure. Um, you mentioned um, emp emptiness um, and existence, two different things. And Rinpoche mentioned, uh, I think it was last week, to meditate on emptiness and bodhicitta. Bodhicitta, I can see uh, Tong Len as a way of meditation, but how do you meditate on emptiness? Okay. Um. Rimche, Tomba ni gom gariakshu. Tomba ni da chukala santana shiru marzipana susu santana nasakanta labadon gotan kamatu reversan to santana and the shiru maru. Tubala tune nasakanta tubala matu ramatu mebaro. So you can in, in analyze any object when you are meditating upon emptiness. But if you were to, for instance, start with the object closest to you, the eye, um, you would do it in the following fashion. And then the way that you would meditate on the eye you would meditate on other phenomena in the same way. So you would say, where is this I that I'm looking for? Then you would go, is the I that I'm looking for, is this Jeff my hand? Is it my head? Is it my nose? Is it my face? Is it my hand? Is it my legs? And exhausting all of these possibilities that I think it might be and then realizing that it does abide somehow so you have exhausted it's not here it's not there it's not there but then you realize that you're sitting there you are thinking you go you come you go you get up you sit down so what is there there's merely, so you're thinking about this. You're not, you're, you're, your med meditation is just thinking about, 
It's familiarizing your mind. The word gom in Tibetan, we use the word meditation. But I swear I wish they word, used the word to familiarize because it would make it less mystical. And that's all it means in Tibetan, to familiarize yourself, to become familiar. So you're becoming familiar with the concept of how things really exist. We misinterpret them and think that they exist by way of their own entity. They have some inherent existence. But going back to the eye, when we've come to this conclusion that there is something functioning, but it isn't findable, we recognize that there is a collection of things we just went through that come together and serve as a basis of designation for the I. But there isn't an inherently existent I that's findable that's outside of that collection. So that is the emptiness of the I. It's the fact that it isn't inherently existent. It isn't like a soul that's separate, that isn't dependent on other things. It's merely a comings together, a collection that's named. But there, there's nothing findable outside of that collection. There's not, there's not something that is non that collection that you can say, oh, it's, that's the I. So there's not something other than the collection or part, single part of that collection that can be established as the I. It merely can be established by putting a name on this basis of designation. So then once you get that about the I and how the I is just a collection of parts that's named as I, then you can look at every single phenomena and investigate it in the same way and come to the conclusion of its emptiness too. A car, a car is a collection of parts and wheels and investigate it in that way. Is that, the, is that tire the car? You know, is the maker the car? If there was no maker, is there a car? No. Is the continuum the eye? I'm sorry? Is the continuum the eye? They would, yes. Ngatsu the Sheba Demba Madrupa Ngai chair the Digare. The Ngatsu Sheba, the Ngatsu Ju, the Demba Madrupa, Jewangama, Jewangama, Ngama, 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 Ngama. Semda Nga, Drapudue. Yes, similar. Chipa? Chipa Mare. Wouldn't say it's the same because the eye is affixed to a consciousness in a way. But it yes, the I re- reincarnates, the consciousness reincarnates. But that I that reincarnates is not truly established. It's not a soul. It's just an I that keeps being able to be stamped. I, 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 I stamp. That makes sense. But we're, we're dissecting something that's so subtle that has to be experienced. I know it's like the same words over and over and over again, and you'd think that it would be so simple because it's just saying the same thing over and over again. But to really realize it and what those implications are is very, very subtle and deep. The doni dopi share up lay labi omari doni kali kapudu the gombo lodru becha mambo trison the dawa drapa becha mambo trison arya deva the ran sanjay jang mambo trison gangin serna kali kapudu the 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 gar the mikpa. Tombani Mikpa Kali Kabudu. Tombani Tendi Sandangos Tendi 
So the easiest way to understand dependent, I'm sorry, the easiest way to understand emptiness is to understand dependent origination. Dependent origination is, is a way that if you think about it, it will clearly, it's like, like, uh, it's like, makes your brain get it. Like, uh, if you think about dependent origination or think about interdependence. Uh, the, the second question okay is um on who killed biggie no go ahead go ahead i <laughs> is, thought it was that but it wasn't is um in it was yesterday um, so we were talking about where we come from and in one sense you know we come from god is one aspect can we come from emptiness emptiness has no beginning and no ending so is we it no are we do we come from something that is empty? And if that, if we come from something yeah, that course. is empty, we come from a previous we, moment and it's empty. Th yep. That's empty, which has no beginning and no ending. A, we, a previous moment is empty. We come from this moment where we are right now yeah. came from a previous moment. Every so, one of those moments is empty, yes. So, so if that's the case, then we can perceive emptiness in, in within us. If we can perceive that. Uh, we can perceive emptiness, yes, if we can perceive what? If we can perceive dependent if we come origination. From if we come from emptiness, then, we, then yeah, it's that's already... Yeah, tough, though. That's then it's changed what we just said. It's what I already, just said is different than we come from emptiness. If, I, if, I, we, if we... I say if, what if we there come is from the is empty. If I don't say we come from emptiness. That's a different thing. Okay. What we come from is empty. What do we come from? A previous moment. That's all I'm saying. And emptiness has no beginning and no ending. So there's no previous moment. I think you're thinking emptiness is this place or this power. All it is yeah. is a concept about everything. Okay. Everything's empty. It's not a pen empowering thing. It's just the way things are. You know how water's wet? Yeah. It's like everything's empty. Okay. Water's wet, everything's empty. It's, a, it's an attribute that every phenomenon has. It's not a place, it's not a power. It's just, it's a quality that everything has. Everything but, but, is empty. But we just use the word empty. To, but that's, yeah, it's empty of having but, true existence. That's okay. why we use the word empty. Okay. You have to look in, it's further. It's not just empty, it's empty of true existence. Okay. Empty oh. of being established. Empty of not being dependent. Empty of um, non-existence. So the implications of emptiness are, no. you have to study it. You have to look, you have to study the texts. Yes. It's not something that you just get. Not some one word's going to make it clear. It's, you know, decades and decades of still studying. Rimache still studies emptiness. Okay. Hey, thank you. Does that clarify it? Does that yeah. help? Yeah. I don't ever want it to appear condescending, but I also, the questions about emptiness have to be very specific and answered specifically because of what it says. You can go to, Lower realms, if you misunderstand but it. I guess maybe it's a word, you know, that we can take in as a thought. Rinpoche, tomba ni injike dets ken sabudu gangyusene empty the the nangla the tomba tomba the injike the sampa tomba ni make kashet sampa sacha matsu tomba ni drogere then make kashet sampa tomba ni dangla drapudu. Natsu zuken tomani. The kon kon tanda kon de lapson. Natsu zuken tomani kongi chiwa. 
I just told him everything I said. That that our cause is empty, but emptiness is not our cause. So if you think a lot about this, though, your understanding and intelligence will increase more and more and more and become more and more refined as to what emptiness means. Thank you. Terry, one last question, maybe. About Biggie? No. Not about Biggie today. R.I.P. Biggie. (laughs) Yesterday. March 9th, bad day. Analytically, and we've we've studied dependent origination and yeah. emptiness. And analytically, it's it's understandable. It's Say it's it again. A, analytically it's understandable. Yes. The concept. Yes. Okay. So you just mentioned the subtlety is very realizing emptiness mm-hmm. is very very subtle. Mm-hmm. Very subtle. Mm-hmm. Um, is that with the word nirvana? Is that what nirvana speaks of? That that subtlety of understanding that we can't name it's not analytical it's beyond that or it's Nir- nirvana from what i understand and i'll ask is the liberation is liberation is just enlightenment so it so analytically we can understand emptiness just like we could understand enlightenment analytically yes the, but enlightenment could be understood analytically Yes. Or is that that subtlety that we experience? The ultimate, and it could. Am I making sense? Yes, you are. It. I. I'll ask. I'll ask Rimbache, but then I'm gonna. I'll explain it to Rimbache. Tomba ni, the ngusong sema. The tomba ni jepak sema yerebe. Tomba ni tu bi jeba sema. Tomba jeba sema imures. Jepak sema sema yin. Inde. Then, uh, then they, the Jepag Nama, the Kandre, the Lokjung, the Jepag Kandre Yongudu. Jepag is that Kandre, and also Jusen Santan, and also Jusen Santan Mamaton, Jusen Santan Mamaton, Mamashiado. Less so. What does Jebasamolo do? So, the way, the best way to understand it is to do the technical breakdown. So, in order to arrive at an um, an incontrovertible understanding of a subject, you have to have what's called inferential valid cognition. Um, uh, va- um, it is a um, valid cognition, um, but it is not a direct perception. It's something that's induced by reasoning and analysis, by saying um, this is that because of this, because of that, because of this. And you arrive at a place where you inferentially understand this because of using reasons. It's right in the definition of inference that you're utilizing reasons. Um, And you incontrovertibly know the subject. So emptiness, for instance. Um, And this occurs um, if you look at um, the stages, the path of accumulation, path of preparation, path of seeing. 
The path of preparation has four different stages. And during these four stages, what you're doing is, is combining calm abiding and special insight. And this inference is arrived at by special insight. So you have single pointed comp that's the level of inference that we're talking about. Um, it's the, the, this analysis takes place and you have inferential valid cognition. It's right before you see emptiness directly. So the subtlety of the experience hasn't been done, but you know it to be true beyond the shadow of a doubt. You just haven't experienced it yet. So um, this that occurs in stages of understanding. Um, so you, but the difference between direct valid cognition and inferential valid cognition is inferential valid cognition relies upon a sign, whereas direct valid cognition doesn't. So in inference, you're still, it's still requiring you, uh, an inferential cognizer is a determinative knower which, depending on its basis, a correct sign, is incontrovertible with regard to its object of comprehension, a hidden phenomena. Um, so it's not, it's not, you won't change your mind about it, you know it beyond a shadow of a doubt, but it relies on reasoning for you to, to come to grasp it. Whereas um, when you have a direct perception, there <coughs> isn't reasoning um, that takes place. It's a new incontrovertible knower that is free from conceptuality, I think. A non-mistaker knower, non-mistaker, non-mistaken knower that is free from conceptuality. I think Prasangika adds in a new incontrovertible, adds new into it. Yeah. Direct prime cognizer, a new incontrovertible, non-mistaken knower that is free from conceptuality. So you're using this reasoning and you have a reason you're still saying... Be Things are not established because of dependent origination, and then you experience it and don't require that syllogism. Does that answer it? Yeah. Cool. All right. Concluding mandala offering and dedication prayer. Please make a good dedication. So if we dedicate our virtue to becoming a Buddha for the sake of all sentient beings, uh, whatever virtue we create won't go away. It'll stay there. It'll be remain solid. So make sure you dedicate very... So just like if you put a drop of water in the ocean, that drop of water isn't extinguished until the whole ocean is. Likewise, a properly dedicated virtue isn't extinguished until it... Till the arisal of the Buddha, that it, Buddhahood, your Buddhahood, that it is a cause of. Rimache just quoted this, the text that says, uh, just like a drop of water in the bucket, uh, just like a drop of water, uh, I, is it the ocean? Jatso, just like a sometimes it's a bucket, I'm sorry, just like a drop of water in the ocean is not extinguished until the entire ocean is extinguished. Um, likewise, properly dedicated virtue is not extinguished until it gives rise to the Buddhahood that it causes, something like that. The fundamental ground is scented with incense and strewn with flowers, adorned with Mount Meru, the four continents, the sun and the moon. I imagine this is a Buddha land and offer it. 
May all sentient beings enjoy this pure realm. I dedicate whatever virtues I have collected for the benefit of the teachings and of all sentient beings, and in particular for the essential teachings of Venerable Ozandrapa to shine forever. I send forth this jeweled mandala to you, precious Guru. I dedicate all this virtue to emulate the knowledge of the hero Manjushri and likewise Samantabhadra as well. With whatever dedication is praised as supreme by all the conquerors who traverse the three times, I also dedicate all my roots of virtue for the sake of auspicious deeds. In that pure land surrounded by snowy mountains, you are the source of all benefit and happiness. All-powerful Avogateshvara Tenzin Yatso, may you stay until samsara's end. I pray for the long life of the precious Kensar Wandok, the spiritual friend who trained extensively in the five great philosophical texts, exceptionals in the perseverance to Sri Rimchik Gutsi Shabi Denara, 